This is Mike Luoma. You can find my stuff at glowinthedarkradio.com. And you're listening to The Melting Podcast. You're listening to The Melting Podcast, a writing variety show featuring a little of everything from everyone, everywhere. Hello, lexiconosaurs and word chefs. I am your girl, Mistress Erin Kazmark. Welcome to episode 69 of The Melting Podcast. And I'm your head chef, AF Grappin. I didn't laugh when I said that. I giggled inwardly. <laughs> There it is. Okay. So, 69 episodes. Not including, like, our bonus episodes or our Patreon backer episodes. No, that's just actual first of the month. Well, no, it's also some mid-month, but it's just the numbered episodes that actually have numbered content. (laughs) 69. Yeah, 69. (laughs) Well, we have a uh, double whammy. (laughs) On 69. (laughs) Yeah, we have a double whammy of stories on 69, and this is actually a little bit more of a solo venture. (laughs) It's kind of hard to 69 solo. Yeah, but these aren't very long, though. That's what she said. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is going to be just full of bad puns. Sorry. No, this... um, No, I take that back. I'm not sorry. Don't don't be sorry. We have a couple of uh, Stoke the Fire episodes for you. (laughs) Or Stoke the Fire stories. That's what I meant. (laughs) I totally didn't Freudian slip there on purpose. (laughs) And these are based off of prompt number 17. You have a dinosaur bodyguard. Bow chicka... Now, wow, wow. When I said this was a solo venture, the whole <laughs> point of the Stoke the Fire prompts mm-hmm. is so we can see what different people do with the same prompt. Yeah. In this situation, we're seeing what the same guy does with the same prompt in two different ways. So two different stories from the same person based on the same prompt. Mm-hmm. We have two stories by our buddy uh, David Doc Blue went. Doc Blue! And just, here you go. Enjoy the dinosaurs. Rawr. 69. <laughs> <laughs> Sugar and Spikes, a Flint Redstone Adventure, by David Doc Blue Went. My name is Flint Redstone. I'm a PI, a professional snoop, a documenter of infidelity, and finder of lost children. And for a lot of years, I worked alone, but not anymore. Now, I'm shadowed by an eight-foot-tall wall of prime saurian steak. He might not be too helpful with the subtle stuff, but Dino sure comes in handy in a scuffle. There are a thousand stories in Potentious City. This is the story of how I got a dino man as a bodyguard. It started more or less like any other day. I was nursing a headache with the sludge that was generously called coffee in the diner down the block. I had nearly, but not quite, enough money in the coffers to pay this month's rent, and nearly, but not quite, enough time in the month to make up the difference, especially without a new client. I was staring at the bottom of my cup, pondering how badly I wanted to walk back down the block to get another, when there was a knock at my door. Mr. Redstone. A sultry voice forced its way through the crack between the frame and the door. It didn't sound like the landlord, but I had been in this business long enough not to get too close to a potential pistol. Come in. It's open. 
I kicked my feet up on the desk as she walked in. She wore a white dress that fit her in all sorts of good ways, several of which I hadn't imagined yet, and a wisp of red hair escaped from beneath her wide-brimmed hat. Mr. Redstone? She asked again as she reached up to pull off her sunglasses. I am. And you are? I looked up into her eyes. Her pitch-black eyes. A lesser man would have gotten lost in those eyes. I nearly did. I am Tressa McNeil. She offered her hand. There was no gun yet, so I stood and gently took the offered digits. Have a seat, Miss McNeil. It is Miss, isn't it? She nodded and sat. What can I do for you, Miss McNeil? I want you to find my sister, Sugar. I should have said no then and there. If I had to do it over again, hell, I still would have taken the job. Not just for the money, which was good. Better by half than I would have normally charged. But those eyes... I just couldn't say no to those eyes. So that's how I found myself, less than eight hours later, in Reptown, one of the most dangerous neighborhoods in the city, face-to-face -face with three of the ugliest spike faces I had ever had the displeasure to encounter. It turned out that Tressa's sister had been running around with a Saurian for the last several months, and she wasn't interested in returning home to a family that didn't think her boyfriend was good enough for her. Now, normally, I would have gone back to my client, given her the bad news, and returned half my fee. But it turned out that the girl had gotten herself involved with exactly the sort of Saurians that her parents thought she had. And these three bruisers knew I knew it, and weren't about to let me start spreading the news. I gave as well as I got, given there were three of them and they collectively had 300 pounds on me. Well, that and their thick hides. And, well, let's just say I ended up taking a very painful nap that I wasn't entirely certain I was going to wake up from. When I came to, I was bound and gagged and tossed in the corner of the back room of what I sincerely hoped was a butcher shop. And I wasn't alone. That eight-foot slab of prime Saurian steak I mentioned earlier? He was strapped on a table, looking primed to be literally turned into steaks. Of course, he was just another bonehead to me at the time. But nobody deserved to be chopped up. Besides, I figured once the meat hacker got done with him, I was next. And Mama Redstone didn't raise no hamburger. Fortunately, the goons who tied me up were even dumber than they looked. They hadn't checked my pockets before they lobbed me against the wall. And that meant I still had my knife. So after some pretty unimpressive floor gymnastics, I was able to free myself. The big guy was going to be harder to set loose. He watched me with careful eyes as I searched the room. He was chained down, and I didn't see a key. What I did see was an oversized bone saw that looked like it might serve as a hacksaw in a pinch. I snatched it off the rack and went to work on the set of chains closest to me. 
I figured the big guy must be strong, given they chained him down, but I had no idea how strong. I wasn't halfway through the first link when he was able to brute force his arms free. Between my saw and his raw muscle, it only took a few more minutes to completely free him. We were getting ready to exchange pleasantries when we heard someone outside the room. He positioned himself against the wall next to the door. I ducked down behind the table and pulled my pistol. Another thing they foolishly hadn't taken from me. The war had taught me a lot of things, and one of them was lining up my shot. The first spikehead had a bullet through his eye and into what passed for his brain before his companions even registered what was happening. My new friend had the second one by the wrist and whipped him into the room an instant later. The third hesitated, trying to process what was happening. That hesitation was his downfall. Dino was already using his first victim as a club, slamming him spike first into the last mook. It had been quick, but it hadn't been quiet. So we went on the offensive. This was not the sort of gang to let bygones be bygones. Long story short, we worked our way through the building until we found the girl. Fortunately, during that time, Sugar had learned the truth about her boyfriend, and was more than happy to leave with us when we finished our business. We took the girl back to her sister. Tressa gave me a bonus. And her number. Dino and I found an open bar and settled in to get a drink and finally exchange those pleasantries. He thanked me for saving him and pledged to be my bodyguard if I would have him. Like I said, I used to work alone. But I couldn't deny that we worked well together. So I accepted his offer with one condition. He would be my partner, not my bodyguard. I would be particularly glad of that decision when we faced the threat of the clockwork killer. But that's a story for another time. A brief excerpt from Redacted by David Doc Blue Went. Transcribed from audio recordings recently released from Redacted. Unidentified speaker. Please sit down, Tyrone. You know this is standard procedure. Sound of chairs scraping on the floor. Interviewer. Thank you, Mr. Rex. Do you understand that we are recording this discussion? T-Rex. I understand. Interviewer. Very good. Let's begin. Please tell me, in your own words, what happened on the day in question. T-Rex. I was on standard detail for POTUS, escorting her to Air Force One. I noticed an unusual movement in the crowd and reacted. I was already moving toward POTUS when I heard the crack of the weapon. Extended pause. Interviewer. What happened then, Mr. Rex? T-Rex. I moved to push POTUS out of the way of the bullet, but... But... Another pause. Interviewer. But what, Mr. Rex? Unidentified speaker. Go ahead, Tyrone. 
T-Rex. I tried to push her to safety, but my arms were too short. What are you singing? Stuff. Uh-huh. Nothing trademarked. Oh, okay, good. Because uh, that could be a problem. Okay. So, speaking of things that are trademarked but aren't a problem, how about a promo? I like those. I mean, the promo itself may not be trademarked, and the item itself might not be trademarked, but it could be copywritten. It was definitely written. Yes. So, let's, let's, let's listen to a promo about a book. 69. <laughs> Silen's life is on trial. They think he's a leech, a thief who steals people's magic and twists it to his own ends. As if that weren't enough, stealing magical talents leaves people soulless, empty, and a breath away from death. The worst leech in history left hundreds of victims in his wake. And Prince Padero and General Brint think Silen is the monster behind those deaths. They are examining his entire life for criminal activity. And the witness accounts are telling a very different story than Silen remembers. Can Silen expose the truth and prove his innocence? Or has he been deluding himself and must now accept that he is a criminal from birth? Criminal from Birth, a new novel by A.F. Grappen, now available on Amazon in ebook and paperback. Do you know what's going on in my head? I'm guessing 69 over and over again. No. What? It's a mystery. Oh, oh I don't know what that is. That That's the definition of well done, 69. <laughs> it's pronounced AF. 69 AF? <laughs> oh, God, we don't need 69 of you. <laughs> ah! Me and my 68 identical twins. No, please. One of you is enough. That would be great. No. I'm scared. <laughs> please play the thing. What thing? It's a mystery. Oh! oh! I'm so scared. Theo, are you awake for brunch? I mean, it's it's, it's time to eat. I'll eat. You're already eating. He has words in his hands. I have food in my mouth. And my mouth. Oh. We should have those words come out of your mouth. But that that's unsanitary. <laughs> That's really disturbing. Okay, guys, it's time for a mystery meal segment. Aaron? Yes? Why don't you stop chewing on the delicious Parmesan chip and tell us how mystery meals work? I don't know. It's a mystery. You, you know how these work. <laughs> they're Mad Libs. Yeah, they're, they're Mad Libs. <laughs> we, but they're scenes from classic literature that we turn into Mad Libs and, with your help, fill them in. Mm-hmm. And Theo has not seen this before. I'm not even sure if he's read this book. I know he's seen the movie. What is, what is our selection? Our selection is The Count of Monte Cristo by Alexander Dumas. Yeah. This is Frenchy. Yeah. This this is the scene where um Edmund Dantes has 
sewn himself up in the dead priest's shroud in order to escape the prison. I remember that part. Yeah, this is going to be great. Yay! Allow me to vomit words in your general direction. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) Sensitive gag reflexes. Mm -hmm. Proceed. Proceeding. Aloud, please. (laughs) (laughs) They're on to me. (laughs) (laughs) Those aren't the right words. No. However, the right words are, The 420 men approaching the ends of the bed took the new car by its extremities. (laughs) Honk, honk. That is one of the funniest Madlib sentences I've ever heard. You might want to put your drink down. You might might have a spit take. (laughs) Wow. Do do you need a moment? No, no, I'm good. Do you need him to read it again? Yeah. Okay. Rewind. The 420 men approaching the ends of the bed took the new car by its extremities. <laughs> Honk. <laughs> He's heavy, though, for an old and thin man, said one, as he raised an amygdala. <laughs> they say every year adds half a pound to the weight of the bones, said another, lifting the feet. Have you bled the knot? inquired the first speaker. <laughs> It's tight. It's, 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 it's a tight knot. Anyway. What would be the use of feasting so much more weight? Was the reply. I can do that when we get there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're right, replied the companion. What's the aluminum siding for? Thought Dantes. <laughs> They're very modern. <laughs> they deposited the supposed corpse on the beer. Edmund snored himself in order to play the part of a dead man. Um, (laughs) is he too? Dead, not sleeping. (laughs) And then the party, lighted by the man with the torch, who went first, ascended the stairs. Suddenly, he felt the fresh and deep-fried night air. (laughs) Oh, it's in the south during a carnival. Mm -hmm. The deep-fried air. The the colonel was alive back then. Deep-fried everything. (laughs) And Dantes knew that the mistral was blowing. It was a sensation in which pleasure and pain were strangely mingled. The bearers went on for 8,675,309 paces, <laughs> then stopped. He counted while he was snoring. Putting the beer down on the thingy. <laughs> It's like he couldn't even be bothered to write a proper noun. It's the thingy. I <laughs> well, didn't have Google back then. <laughs> I know what it is. I'll, I'll fill it. It's right next to the what's it. It's on the tip of my tongue. It's the thingy. It's on the tip of his pen. <laughs> One of them went away, and Dantes heard his shoes striking down on the pavement. Yes, there's more pages. Where am I? He asked himself. Really, he is by no means a light load, said the other bearer, sitting on the edge of the appliance. (laughs) The thingy. The thingy. (laughs) Dantes' first impulse was to escape, but jauntily he did not attempt it. (laughs) (laughs) Ha (laughs) ha! Give us a valuable prize, said the other bearer, or I shall never find what I am looking for. 
The man with the torch complied, although not asked in the most polite terms. What can he be looking for? thought Edmund. The spade, perhaps. An exclamation of rage indicated that the gravedigger had found the object of his search. Here it is at last, he said. Not without some trouble, though. Yes, was the answer. But it has lost nothing by waiting. Because he's dead. I get it. Supposedly. I get it. Well done. As he said this, the man came towards Edmund, who heard a green metallic substance laid down beside him. <laughs> How do you hear that? Does anybody else taste blue? <laughs> and at the same time, or at the same moment, a cord was fastened round his lymph nodes with sudden and painful violence. How? <laughs> so all the lymph nodes? Because that, that's Impressive. thorough. It's like, mac- his whole body. it's like macrame. Uh, <laughs> they had a lot of time on their hands here, okay? We. 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 Well, have you grappled the knot? inquired the gravedigger, who was looking on. Yes, and pretty tight, too, I can tell you, was the answer. Yeah. Move on, then. And the noose was lifted once more, and they proceeded. So the macrame became a noose? <laughs> yeah, you heard him. Macrame noose? They advanced 50 paces farther, and then stopped to galumph a door. <laughs> <laughs> they forgot how to open They fish jumped the door. Is one of them Sally? They forgot how to open it, just kind of slammed into it. <laughs> then went forward again. No. <laughs> The noise of the waves dashing against the Chevy Cruises on which the chateau is built <laughs> reached a Dantes's noggin distinctly as they went forward. Brilliant weather, observed one of the bearers. Not a pleasant night for a dip in the sea. But he's dead. <laughs> Why, yes, the Abron's chance of being bleary-eyed, said the other. And then there was a burst of brutal laughter. Dantes did not comprehend the jest, but his elbow stood erect on his head. How? He's dead. (laughs) I wish you guys had seen that. (laughs) Well, here we are at last, said one of them. A little farther, a little farther, said the other. You know very well that the last was stopped. You know very well that the last was stopped on his way. Dashed on the Kleenexes. Oh, how cushy. <laughs> yeah. And the governor. lotion? <laughs> <laughs> and the governor told us next day that we were careless Muppets. <laughs> Muppet babies? <laughs> they ascended five or twenty more steps. I can't really tell. <laughs> and then Dantes felt that they took him, one by the head and the other by the heels, and swung him to and fro. One, said the grave diggers. Thirteen. <laughs> Three halves. <laughs> and at the same instant, Dantes felt himself flung into the air like a wounded zebra. <laughs> falling, falling with a rapidity that made his pudding curdle. Oh. Hey, that, that fits. tapioca now. <laughs> oh. Although drawn downwards by the heavy weight which hastened his rapid descent, 
It seemed to him as if the fall lasted for only a picosecond. (laughs) (laughs) At last, with a horrible crumpus, he darted like an arrow into the recliner cold water. (laughs) Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And as he did so, he uttered a smurfing cry, stifled in a moment by his immersion beneath the waves. Oh, good. We didn't have to hear the blue. Yes. Smurfing. Blue. Get it. I got it. Dantes had been transplanted into the sea, and he was dragged into the dips by an about 350 pound shot tied to his insteps. The sea is the cemetery of the Chateau d'If. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Dumas is fun to play with because we did the Three Musketeers a couple of years ago. <laughs> Just wow! Yeah, oh, fun. Yeah, that was a good one. So uh, keep your eyes out for uh, requests to fill in the blanks on our Facebook page and our Twitter account. And yay! Yay! Huzzah! Um, that book will never be the same. No. To me. No. Or to anyone who listened to that. I think that should be the new way that we do funerals. In general. <laughs> no. I should not be in charge of any religion or burial services. No, you should not. You know what I should be in charge of? 69. <laughs> you know what I should be in charge of? <laughs> I don't like the way you just giggled when I'm in an enclosed space with you. No, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> All done. So do you know what I should be in charge of then? Patreon. I, I can be in charge of our Patreon. You are in charge of our Patreon. <laughs> Good. That's patreon.com slash themeltingpodcast. For as little as $1 an episode, you can help support the podcast, help us get towards our goal of paying authors for their awesome words, eventually paying voice actors, eventually upgrading our audio equipment and such. And you get awesome swag in return. Physical swag such as t-shirts, bumper stickers, and non-physical swag, such as shout-outs on the show. Or maybe a position on the show. An official title title of, among the crew. And all patrons get access to our once-a-year Patreon backer-only episode. Which is coming on. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of swag. Swag. We actually have a swag that I have been neglecting to take care of. <gasps> One of our Patreon backers has reached the point in their backing of us mm-hmm. that we need to give a shout-out. Oh, my goodness. So this shout-out is to Spence Spencer, who is ridiculously awesome and is working towards getting a position on the crew. We already know what it'll be. We know what it's going to be, but it's not going to be official for, like, another year, I think. Well, it's less than a year at this point. Uh, Yeah. 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 Anyway. But, yeah, so super shout-out. Thank you, Spence, for being such an amazing contributor to the show. You're awesome, and we love you. You have us so close to being able to pay people. Be like Spence. Everyone should be like Spence. We love Spence. Anyway, other swag. Where else can they get their own swag if they don't want to be backers? Well, shop.spreadshirt.com slash themeltingpodcast. That's right. You can get t-shirts, aprons, buttons, mugs. 69 of them. You can get 69 of them. (laughs) 69 mugs. They make great Christmas presents. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And besides, they have our really cute faces on them. I know. I love our artwork. Mm. It's so cute. Um, and they can also help us out by going to iTunes. And they... giving us 70 stars. Minus one. 
69. Uh, <laughs> um, those 69 stars will help us get more visibility on the interweb. People can find us, uh, listen to us, and, you know, just go and give us 69 stars in a review. Let, let us know how awesome that was, okay? Go ahead. I could think of 69 other stars on the web that would get a lot of internet views. <laughs> porn stars. I, I got porn stars. I got that. <laughs> we have not yet stooped to that. We're not that kind of a kitchen crew. Would you guess that we're over 30? We're seriously sitting here giggling like 12-year-old boys. Mm. Well, maybe 12-year-old girls. 12-year-old me would have laughed at that. Yeah. 12-year-old me just would have been confused. Uh-huh. Mm. Sweet baby, honey. Uh-huh. Now, stars are expensive, especially 69 of them. <laughs> and swag can get expensive, and being a Patreon backer can get expensive, although, you know, let's do it anyway. But you know what's nice and free? Words. Words are nice and free. And you have the ability to write them. And then send them to us. Yeah, and we have suggestions for things that you can write to help you find those words that you can then write and then send them to us. We can give you 69 inspirations. We can give you two right now. Keep listening over the next years as our podcast grows and you will eventually reach 69. Yeah. So our two current open prompts for writing things. Prompt number 17, which you just heard two stories of, is you have a dinosaur bodyguard. And prompt number 18 is you are informed via phone that your significant other has been in an accident. They're standing right next to you. Dun-dun-dun. Ooh. They're not kneeling right next to you. That's not how you 69. That's not how you 69. I'm going to I'm stop. AF Grappin. Thank you I'm for listening gonna to I'm going to stop the- short of making a joke about you and being single. <laughs> By saying, um, you're single, how would you know? Shut oh, up. wait. That was the joke. <laughs> I should tell it 68 more times. I disagree. Okay. Don't make me get the other 68 me's again. No. Uh-huh. Uh-uh. Please, no. They're scary. Please send us stuff. And, and then we'll, we'll use it to feed the masses. masses. Thank you for listening to The Melting Podcast. You can check out our website with submission guidelines and current prompts at themeltingpodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Melting Podcast. Or you can email us themeltingpodcast at gmail.com. The Melting Podcast is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means you're free to copy it and share it as long as you don't change it, don't sell it, and always link back to the website. Sound effects are by the Free Sound Project. And our theme is by Drew Rich Creek. Send us stuff!